1: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that's been supporting people affected by HIV since 1985. I'm Sarah and I'm Jess and we work for TVPS and our aim is to
3: get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you like the podcast please rate, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity. What kind of addition is this? This is a person, hold on that's not the right expression at all (laughs) is it? It's hero or what is it? Hero or history? I'm
3: not going to sing the whole jingle because it's just I know we've decided that was no thank. You. I mean, it's been a few
2: weeks. You think I'd have grabbed the concept by now, but <laughs> apparently, no.
3: Of our own podcast.
2: Yes. Well, it's, uh, do you know what's thrown me? It's it is a hero rather than a moment in history, but as we've done before, it's a fictional hero. Okay, okay. okay so it's not. Well, it's still, a hero, isn't it? At the end of the day.
3: You said this one was going to be slightly lighter after the two part contaminated blood scandal, which while unbelievably shocking
2: and educational, I would like something lighter today. Oh, this is lighter. This is definitely lighter. Yes. And it'll be a bit of a journey for both of us because I have never watched this programme before. So it's a TV programme. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you have. We'll find that in a moment. We are looking at another soap character. So our Mark Fowler episode, that's been our most popular episode. So we're kind of, well, we're giving the audience what they want because they love a good, safe storyline. I think that's
3: so true. Yeah, people love the Mark Fowler. But just like we did, I think, you don't know the history behind it or why
2: the writers chose it. And actually, we found out tons in that episode. Yes, we did. And I think we will again. So we are talking about Emmerdale. It's one of Britain's biggest soaps. I feel I need to put it in context because I know we've got listeners from around the world. It's slightly different from the other mainstream soaps here in the UK because it's not set in a suburban location. I don't watch soaps. People right now will probably be reeling off all the others that aren't. But
3: Do they call them soaps <laughs> in other countries or do they call them like soap operas? I know that sounds really ridiculous, but I was just trying to think. and I was thinking about Friends and I never heard Joey Tribbiani say that he was in a soap. He always said soap opera, didn't he? Oh, that's true. So just to clarify, we're talking about soap operas on TV. We right. call them the soaps here.
2: Yes. Okay, well our one that we're looking at this week is set in a fictional village in the Yorkshire Dales.
3: Is it fictional, the village? God, I feel so sh- Yeah. Yes. I, believe I just Of course it's not a real place because it's not a real thing. Brilliant.
2: No, no, it is all fictional. And <laughs> um, it started it started in 1972. It's been going for 50 years. And originally, it was called Emmerdale Farm, and actually, it is—it's a bit of a British institution, really, isn't it? I mean, it's been around a long time. Oh, look at your little, your little furrowed brow, trying to take that. <laughs>
3: I'm still <laughs> just getting over the fact that I even asked if it was a real place. If I'm honest, what's the village called?
2: Is the oh. village called Emmerdale? Oh no! No, it's what The village was called Emmerdale. Oh. Cut this out. Edit. Edit all of this out. <laughs>
3: OK, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're right. I'm going to Google this quickly because I think Emmerdale Farm. Wasn't that a farm? Isn't the village called something else? Emmerdale Village. Oh, you can do a name. Emmerdale Village name. Here we go. Oh, it says. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. That's the name of it. Oh, my God. I'm so stupid. <laughs> oh, best oh. podcast episode yet. <laughs> God. OK, so it's called Emmerdale, of course of
2: course it's called yes it, uh, yes so it's called <laughs> deary me i mean if we were ever ever going to nominate ourselves for a podcast award use this episode this a is sure the one. fire winner this is the one to prove intelligence
3: just you know knowledge of pop
2: culture this is it right here yeah absolutely absolutely we've set the bar high for other people to aspire to <laughs> be proud of that
3: I feel like I should just let you carry on talking because what I've done is butt in with absolute nonsense that means nothing. (laughs) Take us off track. And I still don't even know what we're doing. I just know it's
2: about Emmerdale. Yeah, see, I'm used to that, but I realise that other people probably aren't. (laughs) This is just our lives, Jess. This is just how we carry on. Although normally, to be fair, it's the other way around. You're trying to tell me stuff and I'm just butting in with ridiculous requests or questions or going, what? I don't understand. So it's nice that the tables have turned. Yes, yeah. Right, Emmerdale. Now we've established it's a fictional place in the Yorkshire Dales. The Yorkshire Dales are a real place. We're going to look at a character called Val Pollard. Now, as I've said, I've not watched Emmerdale before. This is all new to me. Um, I don't think you've watched it either by your lack of knowledge of it. So this is going to be a journey for both of us. I watched it briefly, you know, like when you're younger and you go through a period of watching all the
3: soap. So I, yes. there was one point when I was probably 17, I'd say, 16, 17, where I watched like EastEnders, Brookside, because that was still on. I mean, goodness. Um, Emma Dale. So I've got like some knowledge. I do remember Val Pollard and didn't she out with Eric?
2: Yes, she did. Yes. Do you know what's making me laugh? Is at the age of what, 16 or 17... Most people are going to the pub, experimenting with different lifestyles. But you, nope, you stayed in and watched all the soaps. Well done, you. I think, Do you know what? I'm not going to lie. I feel, I'm from Eastbourne, right?
3: I got into my first nightclub when I was 13. Oh. But over 18s, honestly, isn't that terrible? So I feel like I, would, I had done a lot of that stuff. So oddly, by the time I was getting 17, I was like calming down. Oh no, <laughs> you were past all of that.
2: Yeah, my mum will be so proud, so proud don't worry Bernice she did a fantastic job <laughs> but yeah I mean that I don't I've not been sarcastic she did do a very good job I don't want her feeling awful that she's like oh my daughter went to a nightclub at 13 don't worry Benice you're brilliant. And my mum actually weirdly was very much of the attitude, which I always appreciated
3: of, I'd rather know where you are than you take, say you're staying somewhere, you take your stuff and then off you go. And I have no idea. So quite often she was aware, she didn't love it, what mum would. But anyway, I feel like we've gone off on a mental tangent about my teenage years. But yes, at 17, I was watching the soaps. I remember they were on early. They were, yes. You know, we, our soaps, I don't know what they're like anywhere else. I don't know if they're like primetime viewing. I suppose EastEnders is kind of primetime. And then Emmerdale's like seven-ish or something, isn't it? Could just be totally making it up. But the point is, I have watched it maybe for about a year or so.
2: Well done you. That's longer than I watched it. I don't think I've ever seen it, actually. Which is why I've had to take storyline from Wikipedia. But, I mean, it's full of drama. I do think I might watch Emmerdale now because a lot happens and some of it is a little far-fetched, but I think it's quite humorous. It's got quite a lot of comedy value to it. I should give it a go.
3: I would say it's definitely one of the lighter soaps. Like, if I had to say, Estenders is quite... Depressing. I'm so sorry, anyone that loves it so much. It's very because they're very kind of like real life. Real life Mm. is quite often a bit dark and grey. But whereas Emmerdale
2: is definitely. More light-hearted, I think you're totally right. Good. So we've pitched it correctly. That's good. So we'll do a quick storyline summary and then we'll look at some key scenes, a bit like we did with the EastEnders one. So the character's played by a lady called Charlie Hardwick and she made her first appearance on the 1st of February 2004 as the sister of Diane Sugden, who was an established character in the soap. She later married Eric Pollard, another established character, but not, and this will give you a flavour of what the soap's like, but not before agreeing to be held hostage by the dingle family on the day of her wedding because she was angry that he planned the wedding around the village fair to make it cheaper What i know but if you say she was agreed to held hostage isn't that running away as opposed to being kidnapped she was making a point to eric that you know he shouldn't have organized the wedding around the village fair it should have been an event in his own right by saying that she'd been held hostage I mean, the wedding did go ahead. They got married. It gives you kind of a flavour for the...
3: I mean, wow. You'd think just a chat might do that, wouldn't you? Yeah,
2: but it's not as good viewing, is it? Certainly not. OK, right. I
3: did not know that.
2: So the Pollard's marriage, like many soap marriages, was turbulent and eventually broke down. Val went off on holiday where she had a fling and subsequently found out that she'd contracted HIV. The following year was killed when a helicopter crashed into the village. She did, however, make several more appearances as a ghost to Eric, her ex-husband, and one final ghostly appearance in a dream that one of the other characters had. Now, we obviously, we're going to look at the HIV aspect of the character. We're not going to pay any attention to the ghostly appearances after her death.
3: This isn't like um, ghost watch. remember, with Derek and no. or whatever it was called. It's not what we're going into, branching out away from HIV. No,
2: no, we don't need to look at the ghostly appearances. HIV wasn't mentioned in any of them. So we'll just put that to one side and just focus on her life. Oh, so the storyline, so it took place in 2000. 2014. And it captured people's attention because Val was an older white woman, the soaps set in a village, quintessentially English village, I would say. And those two factors are rarely associated with HIV. And I do think the storyline was believable. And we're going to look at how they kind of weaved the HIV storyline into a scenario that, let's be honest, most people would find completely unlikely.
3: So Sue, one of our fantastic support workers, I remember her mentioning this, what a fantastic storyline it was. Oh, really? Yeah, she's a big soap fan and she was saying that it was done so well.
2: Oh, I think it was too. It's just unlikely. You know, nobody ever assumes that an older white woman is going to have HIV, especially not in a Yorkshire village. People just don't think along those lines. And that's because any awareness raising that's been done, it's not targeted at that group of people. So I that's why I think it was quite clever. I think the thing is, we obviously know
3: that older white women, like any other group, are not immune from contracting HIV. And we have older women service users, white older women service users who are contracting HIV, who have been in marriages for, I don't know, 30 years or something like that, and then will test positive and are completely confused. Or, or you know, they, they're widowed or divorced, they've started dating again, condom negotiation can be really difficult. And actually, I don't think their stories are told because it's a difficult subject for these women to speak out about often. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. We know that's not. We know there are some people who share their story and that's amazing. But I think like you're saying, these aren't things that people go, oh yeah,
2: yeah, this is a normal occurrence because we don't hear the stories. No, I think you're absolutely right. So that's why it's a good angle them to use. So let's, I've picked out some key scenes, just like I did with EastEnders. Storyline only went on for about a year and it was always kind of going on in the background, but there were key events that happened that kept bringing it to the forefront. So firstly, Eric and Val's marriage is volatile, as we know. He's been seeing someone else. She's gone off on holiday to Portugal because of this, had a fling with a man called Ian. And then in January, 2014, Ian arrives in Emmerdale to tell Val he's recently found out he's HIV positive. And if you're going to watch one scene this is the one to watch because it is amazing acting really draws you in just like in EastEnders you know when Mark told his mum and dad this is very similar so when he tells her I mean he's close to tears and she jokes she's quite a jokey character and she you know he tells her he says i'm hiv positive and she's like oh it could be worse she could be pregnant and starts laughing so already you're kind of cringing like no no val that's not the correct response to anybody who discloses they've got hiv and then she realizes he's serious so he tells her he contracted from a previous partner who had found out through some routine tests and Val, she just can't believe what he's telling her. And she's like, well, how old is this previous partner? And he's obviously very confused by the questions, like, well, what does it matter? But eventually he said, well, she's 33. And then Val is instantly relieved. She's like, well, that's okay then. She's young. She's not a woman. And then she goes on to say, you know, I'm 49. I'm far too old for this sort of carry on. It's a young thing. So already you can see kind of how her brain's working. Then she realises Ian's not young. So she's like, ooh. Well, maybe uh, it's not for you, but for me, it's a young thing. So it's definitely not me. It's not happened. Then the news starts to sink in. And then she's like, hold on a minute. Are you blackmailing me? Are you after money? Is that what you're doing? And he has to say, well, no, 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 I'm not. I have to tell you this because you need to get tested. And then she says, it's a brilliant line. And the way she delivers it is amazing. And I can't do it justice. But she's like, I've slept with millions of men and I've never even had thrush. And you can see by then he just feels awful. And he's saying, well, you might be lucky. You might not have contracted it. And then she switches again. She's like, that's rubbish. You know, we did it loads. Of course I've got it. And then she's just like, get out. Quite a moving scene. Every emotion: shock, disbelief, anger, and it very much resonated with me because it's similar re- reactions that we see with some of our service users. So some of our service users, when they've been diagnosed, have come straight from the clinic to our centre, and you can see them working through all of this. You know, this can't be happening, or it is happening, but I don't want it to happen to me. How did it happen to me? Why have I got it? Why is no one else? And you can just see them working through all of that. I mean, it's exactly what she does. That's unbelievable. I'm
3: definitely going to go and watch that scene. But like you say, we see that so much. And for some people, they go through it instantly, like you're saying. And for others, I think we... We watch it happen over a period of time. Yes. You know, they go through all of those. And it's a bit like this stages of grief, isn't it? You know, we see denial an awful lot. This just hasn't happened. I'm not positive. Anger. And then finally, you know, we come to acceptance. So be able to boil that down into one scene with such good acting. Because I know you wouldn't be raving about this for no reason. So
2: I'm going to go and have a look. It must be very good. It was played out very, very well. And it is very believable, you know, everything that they talked about in there. Although the soap itself is is quite light hearted, this obviously wasn't a lighthearted moment, but yeah, played very well.
3: I think it's fantastic that they wanted to tackle it. As we know, love a soap that wants to tackle HIV because we know that testing goes through the roof, as yes. in requests for testing.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it takes Val a little while to get the courage to go for a test. Initially, she goes with Ian but she doesn't go through with it. And then she lies to him. So she says, oh yeah, my results are negative. Um, And that kind of leaves it at that. What prompts her to go in the end is that Eric, her husband, gets flu, but not before something else has happened. Of course, it's a soap. So Val, she's been very cold towards Eric. She's been sleeping in a different bedroom and her friend Victoria notices that something's up and she asks what's going on. So Val tells Victoria She thinks she might have HIV. And Victoria quite rightly says, you've got to tell Eric. So Val tells Eric that she had a fling in Portugal. She doesn't tell him about the HIV. He forgives her, but realises there's more to this by her reaction to him falling ill with flu. On top of that, he sees her get out of Ian's car when she's been off to get tested. So he's really angry and he sleeps with her sister, Diane. Diane then tells Victoria and Victoria, by now in quite a tricky situation, knowing that Val might have HIV, has to let Diane know that both Eric and Val might have HIV.
3: Whoa. Diane
2: panics. I know. Diane panics and she goes to the clinic and she's given PET. It is a great way to get that into the storyline.
3: I didn't see the PET part coming. But
2: no, no, did <laughs> They've done a really good job with this. I don't live in a village. Maybe this thing happens all the time with everybody sleeping with everyone else. I don't know. But
3: well, you never know. But
2: in Emmerdale it certainly does happen. And yeah, great. You know, she has to go and get tested. She has to be given PEP. It is very and you know, PEP was very relevant at the time, was actively being pushed to protect people from HIV if they'd had unprotected sex. So yeah, well done, Emmerdale.
3: That's amazing, but we've made a mistake here. What we always need to do is explain what PEP is. Oh, gosh, you're right. I just think everyone's up with the acronyms. Go, Jess. So PEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis. You've probably heard an awful lot about PREP, which is, no, I've got them the wrong (laughs) way around, haven't I? Brilliant. So
2: PEP. So of the year.
3: (laughs) I'm going to leave it in, you know, leaving it in. (laughs) This is going to be the episode, the travesty episode of Mistakes. PEP is post-exposure prophylaxis and PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis. Now... Pep, you can go to your local A&E. Say if you have slept with someone and they've turned around to you and said, "Right, I'm positive," or you feel that you've been at high risk, and you can take that within seventy-two hours of the incident of risk. Do advise that you take it as soon as possible because, a bit like the morning-after pill, the longer the time goes on, the less effective that it could possibly be. But essentially, what it does is help prevent you from contracting HIV. So just like Prep, pre-exposure prophylaxis, you take that before having sex. um, And that, again, prevents you from contracting HIV. This you take just after if you've been at risk. And as I said, you can get that from A&E's rather than the sexual health clinic. I'm sure that's still right, isn't it? Well, for us anyway, where we are, again, getting my facts right. In Berkshire.
2: Yes, that is correct. Where
3: we are in Berkshire, we would be sending people to A&E to access PET rather than the clinic, because obviously it's more of an emergency situation where you'd need to have that dispensed there and then.
2: Very good. I'd just like to do a public announcement, especially to our board of trustees. Jess and I do know what we're talking about. (laughs) When we go out and raise awareness, it's much more smooth than we're making it today. I
3: think I'm just all caught up in the drama of Val's ghost. And I'm just shocked that they even included Pep. I think that's
2: amazing. I enjoy that I didn't point out you'd made an error (laughs) because I have the attention span of a gnat. And I've just seen a green parakeet fly past the window. That's not a lie. We do have them where I live. Really? yes yes we have a blossom tree a cherry blossom tree out the front and they love it and this time of year they're all over it wow where do, where have they come from i don't know we've always oh. had them
3: have you not got them where you live No, we have kites anyways we don't have parakeets we have kites
2: not fire yeah. kite like the bird the kite yes we oh. have uh we have them too so look at us in a bird off now we are have you bird got uh, <laughs> and i'm
3: gonna huh? tell you a really interesting fact about birds you ready for this?
2: in our new ornithology podcast is ornithology bird watching I think it might be
3: yeah yeah well done like Bill Oddie. yeah he's an ornithologist so you know kites the birds you know they Mm. make that kind of screeching sound yes okay so in Hollywood when they want to have like the sound of an eagle in a film like a western or something apparently eagles make a terrible noise so they use the sound of a kite and that's what they lay over for like eagle circling, that screeching, like, wow, red kites are all flocking to your house right now. That's my fact. Did you like it? I feel like this is just falling apart, but that's fine. I
2: just don't understand what's happening.
3: <laughs> right. Val Pollard, Pep, oh. Diane, Ian. i'm not
2: sure it's worth continuing i don't think anyone apart from bernice is listening anymore
3: she turned off after the nightclub situation (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) so okay so no one's listening so it doesn't matter what we talk about but let's get back to val right so we found out that her sister has been given pet because she slept with val's husband eric val plucks up the courage to tell eric she may have hiv at this point because you know it's all getting out of control really isn't it but remember she hasn't actually tested So she's just saying she thinks she might have. She does go and get tested. Uh, She goes off to get the results. Eric goes with her.
3: Is he being supportive now?
2: Sort of. I think he's quite kind of shell-shocked. He is being supportive. But, well, I think there's probably a lot of guilt on his part that he slept with her sister. Yeah. Why did her sister sleep? I mean, what happened in that whole situation? How
3: hot is Eric Pollard? (laughs) Just saying, they all want a piece, don't they? It's not my party.
2: So another poignant scene is when she has her diagnosis confirmed. She's at the sexual health clinic with Eric. The doctor gives her the results of her test. And again, there's a whole range of emotions. So she demands a retest. She's saying, look, this test takes about 20 minutes to come back. Does that sound very thorough to you? And she's really kind of questioning the doctor. And the doctor's trying to reassure her that HIV is manageable. She can live a normal, healthy life. Val's getting angry. She's saying, well, what's healthy about HIV? And the doctor at this point says, look, you should should really have counselling. I don't think it's the best scene, if I'm honest, mainly because Eric... Eric gets forgotten about he's in the room with her so when she goes to get her results the doctor says just you not not your partner and she's like I I want Eric with me so he's allowed in but he's forgotten and at this point he says well I suppose that means my result is positive too and the doctor's like no your your result is negative but then (laughs) says to him but you know you have been very very lucky which that's a bit much I think yeah and I'm just not sure they would give the results in that way either No, I'm not sure that they would have done. The negative result, Eric's negative result, it does cheer Val up slightly because she hasn't infected him. So she hasn't got that kind of burden on her shoulders. But all in all, yeah, I'm not sure how realistic that is.
3: We're not a clinic, so I don't know. But I was just going to say when we do HIV testing, actually to reassure people as well, obviously we have couples coming together, don't we? Yeah. And some wish to test together and some wish to get their results together. And we do not allow this. Because it's not that we're mean or anything like that. You really have no idea whether someone's being coerced into having their partner sit in with them and know as much as they might be telling you, yes, this is fine. We don't want to take that risk that perhaps there is something that they're not telling the other partner or the partner's forcing them into being tested. So we don't do that. We test people completely separately. Yeah. Just plugging our services there. Well done. I just don't think that scene would be, doesn't sound that
2: realistic. No, no. But, you know, now she knows, he knows, everybody can move on. Obviously, it's a soap. Her diagnosis doesn't remain a secret. Of course it doesn't. She finds out, that her sister, Diane, had a one-night stand with Eric. Oh, so she, she, goes didn't the... she, she, no, didn't she didn't it, really. know. No, she oh. didn't know. No, she's based everything so far on the fact that Eric's been ill with flu and she's thinking, honestly, oh, have infected him. This is a sign of him having contracted it. So, no, she didn't know that he, in a fit of anger, had had a one-night stand with Diane. She finds out. Where does she go to share the news? Wait, the pack. Yes. Really? pub. <laughs> yes, she does. She goes to the pub. And she gets really drunk and then she falls over, cuts herself. Everyone rushes to help and she has to warn them not to touch her blood because she has HIV. And then Eric puts gloves on and he treats her wound. But now everyone in the pub knows.
3: It's not dissimilar to the Mark Fowler scene where he went into the pub that we talked about and all the music stopped and then he kind of educated people around HIV. Why does everyone do everything in the pub here? Is this why everyone just thinks we're always in the pub as like British people? So everything happens in be. the pub. Any new, any especially any big news in your personal life, straight to the
2: pub. Announce it. But now, every time I go to a pub, I'm I'm on Tinder hooks. Who's <laughs> going to make a big announcement? Come on, someone's got something to say.
3: <laughs> waiting. Yeah. You'll have to be the one.
2: Oh, oh, I don't know. Look, I'm even considering it. <laughs> Ooh, what news can I announce in our local pub? I just feel it's just not the way. Uh, I think our
3: local pubs are portrayed in a way that they really aren't. I feel if someone came, well, I know we mentioned this before, but if someone came in and did that, we'd all be like, "Oh, mate, like keep your business to yourself,
2: Jesus." Exactly. Yes, we said it in the Mark Fowler episode. Everyone phones out for <laughs> ten to- phone calls.
3: No eye yeah. contact.
2: Yes. So, but in Emmerdale, that's how they do things. Same as Albert Square for EastEnders. But considering she has now, or well, now that everyone in the pub knows, not everybody in the village knows. So presumably everyone in the pub just kept their mouth shut. She has a falling out with someone in the village. His name is Jacob. And in retaliation, he posts online that someone at Val and Eric's B&B has HIV. Val finds out, and this again in True Soap style, she uses the pub as a venue to confirm to all the locals now that she is the person that Jacob is posting about. So anyone who wasn't in the pub the first time finds out the second time. So now the village knows that she's HIV positive. Not long after this, keep up, because this is how Emmerdale goes. Ian, remember Ian, he was the fling. Yeah. Turns up at the B and B. Eric Punches him because he know well, he knows that, you know, that's who gave Val HIV. Val absolutely stunned at his behaviour. She takes Ian to the cafe and they realise they're very well suited to each other. Eric sees them kiss and decides to sell all Val's possessions.
3: He, wait, wait, sorry, sorry. You need to go over that last bit because I was still in disbelief that all she'd done was go to a cafe. And then she's, she's already ha-
2: like having an affair. So what did he do to her possessions? Sells them. Sells them? He decides them. to sell all of them. This image is insane. And I mean, and so it goes on. She then meets someone new, a man called Tiny. (laughs) Stop it. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. She sleeps with him. They use protection, but she doesn't disclose her HIV status. He then finds an appointment card for the clinic in her bag and confronts her about it. And she confesses and he is absolutely furious. He pushes her, she falls and she gets a black eye. Eric thinks that he's hit her. So he punches him. Eric's got form, hasn't he? He's, oh, he loves a bit of a fisty cuffs, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, he's got a bit of a volatile nature. Anyway, it descends into chaos by this point and everybody kind of joins in and the police turn up and they arrest Val and Eric and Tiny, uh, Diane, Val's sister's involved. I know.
3: It's like a brawl, like a mass brawl. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> to address all of this, the next day Val goes to the pub. Of course. And she gives them all of the facts on HIV.
3: Ah, they learned from Mark Fowler, didn't they? Mark Fowler yes. walked so Val Pollard could run. Oh. <laughs> I don't really know entirely what, what I mean by that, but I just
2: sounds good. Right. And I mean, as with EastEnders, lots more happens. It is a volatile relationship that they have, but there's less around HIV. So um, Eric has a heart attack. That'll be because of his anger.
3: Punching he's doing. All the
2: punching. Yeah, it's a, no good can come from violence. Val plans to fake her own death. You know, I mean, the usual things that happen in the Yorkshire village.
3: Honestly, I'm with you. I might start watching Everdale. This just all sounds brilliant. It does, actually. Yes.
2: Yeah. And the more I kind of read about the storyline, I was like, oh, come on. But Actually, I think it's if you're watching it on a day to day basis and you, you're kind of liking the vibe, it's probably quite a good entertainment. Right. And then Val dies and it's quite a traumatic death. It's not HIV related. So a helicopter crashes into the village hall. Trapping her and her sister, the emergency services turn up and Val tells them to rescue her sister first. She waits for them to return and a shard of glass falls from above and kills her. I know, dramatic, eh? Like a Hollywood film. Yeah. She does come back as a ghost, of course, because that is what happens in soaps. Who went? Let's bring her back as a ghost. I watched some of those scenes because I was like, oh, come on. How have they done this? And I suppose it's sad because uh, the one I watched, Eric's just, kind of sitting in the living room is is about to have a cigarette, I think. He's really sad and she just pops up next to him on the settee and they have a little chat. I mean, if that happened to me, I think I'd just freak out. I'd be like, I
3: need to access some appropriate support here because this is not... No. Who made the decision to bring the ghost and then why, why have there not been any other ghosts and we've not seen
2: Val just... Being the resident haunter of Emmerdale Village. Oh, they might do that now. They will definitely listen to this podcast because it's it, we cover a plethora of different topics today.
3: You're going to see um, eagles flying around Emmerdale using the kite sound. They're going to have picked yes. up that little tip from me. <laughs> yes.
2: We want royalties, Emmerdale, if that actually happens. Oh, okay. Should we look at the impact? Because you said it earlier. Footfall at sexual health clinics increased as a result of the storyline. It always does. That's why it's so important that awareness is raised in this way, because it prompts people to test. And that's exactly what happened with the Emmerdale storyline. Well done, Emmerdale. Yeah, well done. interview. There's an interview in the mirror with the actress, Charlie. She talks about the impact on her personally because she did experience stigma for playing a character with HIV, not only from trolls online, but also in person. I know. And I think this is quite interesting. So she went to a football match. She's a massive Newcastle United supporter. She's a season ticket holder. um, And when she was there, she experienced stigma from some of the other fans. So they were kind of shying away from her when she walked past them, didn't want to be close to her. She said she walked down the steps of one of the stands and a fan told her to stay away. He didn't want to catch it. She says, you know, I put him right by saying, you know, you can't catch this by touching someone. But I think it was quite tough for her because this is her day job, isn't it? This isn't her in real life. And yet she's being treated like she is Val Pollard. Crowds um, are quite unforgiving sometimes. So she's kind of up against it.
3: But there are so many issues on so many levels there. The fact that She was able to feel the stigma that we know is still so real and we talk about it all the time. And a lot of people say, Oh, no, we've moved on, we've moved on. We have in some respects, but actually, I don't think people see enough how bad the stigma still is. She got to see that firsthand. But the other issue for me is that someone thought she was actually Val Pollard, Emma Dell Farm. Oh my God, he was me at the start of this podcast, Sarah, saying, Is it a real place? I bet there
2: are people that believe it is. I mean, I don't know where it's filmed. I don't even know if it's filmed in the Yorkshire Dales, but there must be people driving around Yorkshire going, where is the Woolpack?" It says it's filmed near Leeds. Oh, is it? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah, that's not nice at all. No. So she's out there. She's kind of raising awareness at football matches. Great. Because you know that's an audience that, again, can be quite difficult to raise awareness with. And she says she wanted to raise awareness because she said at the time, one of the biggest increases in HIV transmission was women over 50. And so she wanted to kind of get on board with the storyline. And she also, she did interviews with magazines that are aimed older women. So the publicity around this was quite targeted at older women um, and encouraging them to test. So she did well well there. I mean, she's out there, you know, dispelling myths, educating and kind of reaching a really wide audience. So they made good use of the storyline to kind of educate the public.
3: We certainly saw an increase in people testing and especially women over 50. I remember around that time, we definitely saw that increase. And I I think it did. I think it resonated. It came into your living room. It was quite non-offensive. I mean that in terms of some people sometimes people get quite funny about being targeted don't they and they really do not want to take that message on board whereas a bit like it's a sin you're just sat in your own living room watching something very familiar you know your favorite soap opera and a character like you're saying she's quite a funny character someone you can relate to someone you like and suddenly this story is probably going to resonate with you without it feeling
2: super targeted so Yeah, I think it's so clever. They did well, didn't they? And I know, you know, some of the storylines were far-fetched. I mean, I'm all about the ghostly appearances. I can't get on board with that, you know. You
3: just mean the ghostly appearance. You don't mean the helicopter that crashed into a village hall
2: (laughs) or the voluntary hostage situation. those two, but mainly the ghostly appearances. That's a step over the edge for me. I can just about believe the rest, but the ghost, no, 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 no. And, you know, they covered the storyline well. I think as we've discussed, they've educated sections of our community that may not have known much about HIV. So do you know what? Well done, Charlie Hardwick, and well done, Emmerdale.
3: Yeah, fantastic job. And I absolutely think you're right, HIV heroes. All of them, the whole cast, even Volatile Eric. Even Tiny. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone involved. Well done, everyone. No, I think that's definitely like HIV hero material
2: making a big impact. I know. You're off now, aren't you? You're going to go up to Yorkshire and see if you can find the set. Yeah, I am. To be (laughs) be honest,
3: I'm going to spend the rest of the day just watching these Emmerdale clips. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm going to start with the ghost ones.
2: Oh, so there we are. We done. That's it. Another episode complete. I mean, it's been a varied episode, full of interesting facts. You are all welcome. <laughs> Everyone's learnt
3: something. There was something for everyone. You know,
2: this week it really was this week. We've covered all the bases.
3: <laughs> we said it was going to be light-hearted. It's been very light-hearted.
2: Yeah, we've gone to the other extreme, haven't we? Next week we'll go somewhere in the middle. I think.
3: Ooh, and is next week, may I ask, is it a hero or history? It is a hero. OK, OK. I'm excited because I don't actually know what our next one is. So I should just wait with bated breath and more
2: interesting facts to bring you. Oh, my goodness. I hope you can get through the week with all the excitement. I don't think I'll be able to. But
3: do you know what will get me through? Watching Val Pollard's Ghost. Thank you for listening to HIV Hope and Charity. If you'd like to know more about the work that we do, visit tvps.org.uk. And please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast if you enjoyed
0: it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
3: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.